Welcome to issue 22 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters on fairly labeled villains and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and joining me tonight is Mustafa. How's it going, Moose? And Daniel. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. You? I'm okay. I'm okay in these, you know, dark times. But I do have one question, Steve, and that is, Mustafa, what's on your mind tonight? Reverse primary thrust, Marvin. That's what they say to me. Open airlock number three, Marvin. Marvin, can you pick up that piece of paper? Here I am, brain the size of a planet, and they asked me to pick up a piece of paper. Who do you think Marvin is here? <laughs> is it Marvin the Martian from, um, like, Bugs Bunny? No. I am oh. disappointed. I'm sorry. That's Marvin, <laughs> the depressed robot from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Nice. So here's another one. He's talking <laughs> about the ultimate question to the ultimate answer to life, universe, and everything. And he goes, it's printed in your Brave patterns, but I don't suppose you'd be interested in knowing that. You mean, you can see into my mind? Yes. Well, it amazes me how you manage to live in anything that small. <laughs> and and we, we all know the answer is 42. 42. 42 yeah. 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 That's weird because... I only know that because I'm a geek, not because I've ever read those books. You've never read those never, books? I've no. never read those books. Dude. Well, you have from now until we record issue 42 to finish reading those books. <laughs> I started the first one, uh, and I, I hated it. What? I, I, don't, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, that, you know, I was 14 or something, so maybe that was the problem. But Maybe give it another try, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should absolutely try it again. Yeah, I, and I, the books are better than the movie, I think. So I've never seen the movie. Yeah, you're not missing much. Tonight's episode, we're going to start our part one of our two-part spectacular on Ultron. It is about time we get to this fella. Yep. Yeah, this is our third corset hero, and tonight we're going to get into his his origin story we're going to take a look at his villain cards and his main schemes and then in part two we'll do some more ultron and all of his encounter sets there's a lot going on with this guy steve yeah he's been around a long time so why don't you daniel why don't you kick it off and tell us how he got started you know what i will do so now you said he's been around a long time now steve you might know this but mustafa i'm gonna i'll quiz you when did ultron first appear in the marvel universe do you think i don't know uh everything i've Guest has been wrong so far. So, so why stop now? Why start? Why start being right now? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with um, he's a robot, and people were afraid of robots for a long time. How about 1936? Wow, that's that's wrong. <laughs> I don't know if there was Marvel back then. That's how little I know about this uh, this uh, Marvel thing. No, so Ultron first appears in issue 54 in 1968. Moose. Wow. Uh, but but only at the end of that issue is he actually introduced, and he's introduced not as Ultron, but as someone near and dear to us corset lovers as well. He's he appears as the Crimson Cowl 
first. So it's not until the following issue he becomes central to the narrative. Uh, he does a few cool things right off the bat, and it's it's actually kind of neat structure-wise. His origin story is mostly revealed through flashbacks of other characters and his own, I, I don't know if I can say life, but his own time of sentience or something. I, I'll get to those in a second. But first, right away, he's one of the leaders of the Masters of Evil. And he's first introduced once he's like, not the Crimson Cowl, but when he's first called Ultron, he is, he's got a great name. It is Ultron 5, the living automaton. Okay, hold on one second. Do we know who, who built him? Well, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get okay. there. All right, okay. The, the thing about his story, Moose, and this gets to your question, his origin story is all about brain patterns. And so he was actually invented by Hank Pym. And here's my next bit of trivia for you, Moose. Who's Hank Pym better known as? No idea. Well, you do because he's actually the Ant-Man. Mm. Uh, and he's based on Pym's brainwaves. Now, in all my research, I didn't really know what that to be based on someone's brainwaves. Like, he thinks the way Pym thinks or something. Like, I, I don't really know. Excited to discuss that later with you guys if you have some theories about what that means. Because brainwaves will come yeah, up again. Okay. Well, like all good robots, he almost immediately develops independence and goes, like, way out rogue. And acquires, like, this hardcore, like, what Wikipedia calls an Oedipus complex. Now, of course, we know what the Oedipus complex is, right? According to Freud, all sons want to kill their father and marry their mother, right? So he ends up having like this toxic hate for Pym for whatever reason, but really starts to dig Janet Van Dyne, aka the Wasp. Ultimately, what, what ends up happening at the end of this issue is Ultron hypnotizes Pym and this hypnosis and this kind of brain stuff that Ultron can do, we'll get to in a little, a little later when we talk about his powers. He hypnotizes Pym into forgetting that he even exists. And he disappears for like 10 issues. Like, he, like that's it for Ultron 5, the living automaton. When we next see him, guess what he goes by? Ultron 6. Nailed it, Moose. Boom. Wow. Boom. <laughs> yep, he's Ultron 6. And here's, here's some cool trivia for you. Now, we, we have, in this day and age, the idea of adamantium, that substance, right? Like, it's it's... It's all over the place, yeah? In the Marvel yep. Universe. The first time it was used as a term and as a substance, anything, was actually associated with Ultron 6 here um, because his armor was made of it. So Adamantium, its origin story is right here um, with Ultron 6. He's going to be, he's going to factor quite, quite, quite bigly, as they say, in the Marvel Universe from here on out with the Masters of Evil and stuff. He has this tendency, though, to kind of repeatedly and routinely get destroyed by the Avengers and then rebuilt, only to get destroyed by them again. He also takes on the Fantastic Four a lot. But there's something about him that, like, mad geniuses love because he keeps coming back and he kind of keeps getting rebuilt and rejuvenated or whatever by geniuses. So Yeah, and what's the quote? Uh, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. So every time he gets, quote-unquote, destroyed, he just comes back bigger and tougher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tougher, tougher. Now, Moose, again, we're going to let you, do, I want you to guess this. So after Ultron 6, he has four more iterations. Can you tell me what they are? Oh, I'm going to go with 7, 8, and 9, and 10. Nailed there it. There you go. Good. Yeah. He, so um, he keeps, like, brainwashing heroes into bringing them back, and they, like... Wait, how can he brainwash people into bringing him back if he's destroyed? That makes little sense. I could dip into that. Please I could do. dip into that. He will, while he's around, he will implant 
like subconscious thoughts sometimes or programming into various heroes or other villains or computer systems so that if he is destroyed those systems will kick in and they will they will bring him back without those those targets mm-hmm. realizing that it was a pre-program that Ultron gave them while he was around the first time so oh, okay great so Ultron, Ultron 7 puts a plant you know okay if I die you bring me back as Ultron 8 and then when he dies they bring him back as 8 right. without even realizing that it was Ultron's little scheme that does it right so that really thanks Steve thanks Steve because that fills a big <laughs> gap in my research because I'm just like why do they just keep bringing this dude back anyway all right, so so then I guess what you could call like the first like real Ultron is like that we might know in the game. I'm not actually sure which one we're playing in the core set, to be honest with you. We can talk about that at the end too. But uh, there's this version now, like Mark 12. He actually seems to be almost like a, a good robot. He he dies saving um, Pym. After after that, he's like once again reconstructed because um the thing brings back. Ultron's head from the Secret Wars that we talked about uh, an issue or two back. Now, there's a little more to version 12. So he's he's rebuilt by Doctor Doom, but and this is this is actually my favorite part of the Ultron story. Doctor Doom brings back Ultron as like Ultron version 12, and he's not just Ultron 12, but he's also Ultron like five through eleven, right? And all these personalities inside him like drive him kind of crazy like loses his mind and he like he literally like rips himself apart to remove every aspect that's not 12 so he's like dismantled once again and, and like i said before i really don't know what we're looking at in the core set it could be actually the very first ultron since it's the crimson cow it could be ultron 5 but maybe steve you speak to that at the end here okay um so so let's talk about what he can do. I was thinking about his superpowers and like researching into what Ultron can do. And it's more actually like what he, what can't he do? This guy's got it all. Like he is the perfect third villain in a core set. He's, he's a genius, right? He's like the, the mad genius, like crazy smart. He possesses super strength, super stamina, super speed, all those types of things. He's got like this ray that shoots out of his hands that can either put you in a coma or take over your brain. He's got that adamantium armor we talked about. He can make duplicates of himself somehow, and he controls them with like this hive mind technology, hence our drones in the game. And he can restructure his form. That's not all. He's traveled a whole bunch in outer space. And what this has done for him, it's it's like allowed him to kind of hook up with this like weird space parasite that is essentially like this technological virus that he uses on machines nearby that allows him to control them. That's kind of like, that's his origin. And it's, he's really awesome, kicks butt. And, and one of the things I read too, like the art, the art early on, like they wanted, they thought it'd be even creepier if his helmet and such made it look like he was always smiling. So if you look at the art, Ultron is always really happy. He's always smiling. Um, and they, and, and the, the artists and the writers thought that that would be a little more creepy as a bad guy. It's a confusing origin. I'm not going to lie. Like I was kind of like turned around in circles trying to figure out what all these yeah. origins, five through 12 and this one. And like, it seemed like he had seven origin stories, not just one. And it's actually not the frustrating thing about him for me personally, like a, like a narrative level writing wise. It's like, there's not like a lot to grab onto from a beginning to middle to an end because it's just a whole bunch of beginnings, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so, keeps keeps rebooting himself over and over again, right? Yeah, and, and like that's all maybe interesting once or twice to me. I, I, but again, Steve, I imagine you know a whole lot more, and we'll cover a lot more in part two, sort of what he's been up to since you know the nineties. In part two, we'll uh, we'll touch on a few of his uh, storylines. Okay, but he's, here, yeah, he he's an ultimate bad guy. It he's gonna be. A, going after the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and everybody pretty much forever because it's really hard to defeat him if a piece of his consciousness or tech or coding survives. So that's why he's able to keep coming back. And it sounds like it's always surviving somewhere. Yeah, and then you have people like Doom or who thinks that, well, I can I can control Ultron, so I want to bring him back and I'm going to make him work for me. And then you can't. Um, nope, that does not and, work. No, and Ultron, it should be said too, Ultron's ultimate goal is to wipe humanity off the planet in one big shot. Pym's original programming for Ultron was to protect and save the planet and create peace. And Ultron's programming says, oh, well, the only way to have peace on this planet is to get rid of the humans, and we would have peace on this planet because it's the humans that are the problem. So that's where he kind of becomes this villain and he goes on all these murderous mass genocide sprees trying to do and and the heroes have to save is him that from. is that the 1968 story yeah so that yeah that's how he starts as you know pym's the object of pym's like yeah how do i save the, the universe and that's interesting because that reminds me of the plot from war games yeah they're the only way to win is to not play right exactly but the whole yeah. reason why that particular ai went decided to develop the solution is that it also decided that humans were destroying the planet and the best way to save the planet was by destroying the humans. Right. But it seems like somebody had read issue number, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. From 1968. So, yeah. And can we really actually argue with that uh, logic? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> thinking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not be too political, of course, but yeah. So I, I like Ultron, but it's just, there's just the kind of the lack of humanity or the lack of character. He's a cold, calculating robot. He really is just an existential threat to everybody, right? It's like, yep. I would like to know a little bit more about the whole Ultron Twelve saving Pym and what that was all about. I like. I, I figured if I went down that rabbit hole, I would have. I would have gotten really excited about it, and it would have been another like fifteen, twenty minutes. So I'm, I'm I am a little more like curious about what that means because he has some kind of weird guilt or something. It's part of like his Ultron Twelve. Uh, identity crisis that he goes through where he saves his father but i don't quite it, it must have been in the secret wars or so i i don't i don't know steve do you know more about that i do know that certain points throughout ultron's uh existence he goes into a he has a real familial complex and he will he builds himself a wife a son so like he wants to have a family as well because he has that Pym brainwaves in him and Pym wants to have a family, I think, uh, and, and understands relationships. So I think there's a little bit of, of that comes through finally for him. So, well, that's kind of nice. There's a sweetness to that. Yeah. Until we will read it. We'll talk about a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not nice robots that he builds. So, uh, no bride of Ultron is no, uh, yeah, yeah. Although his son, one of his, I think the one son turns out to be quite a superhero. So he betrays his father like any good superhero 
ugh, those, those heroes. Yeah, and, and there's like there's stuff like also wrapped up in his origin is the origin of Vision and yep. Wonder Man. And that's like where where more of these like brainwave things start popping out. Like because I think Wonder Man was originally a bad guy, right? And his brainwaves made Vision or I, it's all I don't know. It's, yeah, without Ultron, there's no Vision. So right, and so uh, and the brainwaves thing, I I don't know what that means. I really don't. Yeah, know. It, it's part of the programming, right? If I if I build you with my brainwaves, what does that mean? You think, I think like they, me? Yeah, I think they think like you, and they. He takes on part of your personality, like that becomes part of his core programming. Um, Like in the movies, now in the movie, the the current MCU movies, Ultron is made by Stark and Banner utilizing Stark's Jarvis interface. And we see that part of it, like it takes on parts of Stark's personality, parts of Jarvis's personality, you know, those sorts of things. So it's a very different origin in the movies. Okay. But but there's still some of that like brain wave I think going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there you go. Probably a lot more to it. This is a super cursory sur- surface and superficial origin. Look, I feel like there is a lot of these visions that we humans have developed about robots, machines, uh-huh. that we kind of project onto them. All these weird prejudices we have. But they're all actually human prejudices. A robot that develops an Oedipal complex is a uniquely human creation. I'm not, and you know, it's just wearing a robot face. But that's that's actually, I feel like something that that only exists in our imagination about you know dangerous. Like we imagine them as things that are impossible to imagine in humans. Yet, ironically, that is exactly what they are. These are things that we imagine in humans. And we just project onto this machine because it is the kind of unknown thing we like to fantasize about, like how bad can it be? And because it's an unknown thing, we feel like maybe we don't self-regulate our fantasies and we can go to places uh, where we might not want to go to when we're thinking about other human-based villains. Is that making any sense or am I just no, absolutely. yeah. yeah. Doing. That's wild. That's great. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So then, Ultron, in your mind, how would you des- describe his villainy? How would I describe his villainy? I look. Yeah. I I only know on Ultron from the movies, what okay. we just discussed, right. and the cards in the card game, which really are kind of based on all this. But again, and I also base it on our. Uh, you know, I've watched enough sci-fi movies. Everybody's seen Blade Runner. Uh, I hope. Uh, otherwise, we're gonna have to stop being friends. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, I feel like robots, kind of, or or these artificial humans, or, um, human-like things that are not actually human, but things that are created by us. They they let us exercise our imagination about how bad people can be by projecting those those kind of um, limitless evil onto this machine, saying, well, it's a machine, of course it can do X, Y, Z, destroy all humans, right? And, and it decides that because humans are the problem, it's going to destroy all humans. Same thing with the AI in war games. Uh, and I feel like these are actually uh, maybe some ways of internal critique, like we are destroying the planet. We are destroying kind of not only our own species, but other species. Maybe we kind of wish that some other external non-human thing came up and said you know stop it or i will destroy you or something that because we are unable to stop ourselves 
we can't save uh, ourselves, so we need. Well, oh, it's need not really a savior thing, but it's more like a, a warning story. Like, sure. you know, sure. it's like a uh, if we don't stop ourselves, then you know, we we wish there was some ultimate, you know, or non-human power there that that that's that's telling us, you know, you better stop, or you know, the the solution is to wipe you all out. Sure. And of course, we all love fighting against things that are uh, other. And what's more other than a uh, a robot or or space aliens? That's another variation on that fantasy where space aliens will come and say, you humans are not worthy. We're going to destroy you all. And then we all band together and fight. And because we're scrappy and we're humans, we all win because the space aliens, no matter how advanced they are or smart, they can't beat our ingenuity. And then, and then we actually lose the whole lesson of the story to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like that's how that, that also describes Ultron's villainy. That, that also describes those villains and people who keep bringing Ultron back. They, they forget the lesson that was Ultron when they finally (laughs) defeat him. I, I'm right. going to bring them back, and they they don't learn from the history of Ultron five or six or seven, because they keep bringing it back more. So his warning lives really only in our subconscious, and that's it. And then we bring him back to defeat him again, so we feel better about ourselves. Maybe uh, I think there is Maybe. definitely a wish fulfillment about about the, this genre, wouldn't you say? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Wow, that was that was awesome, Moose. Thanks. That was really cool. Okay. Um, I will no, dispute like, that, but not yet. No, no, no. I was like, I, I think it's a really interesting way of viewing the story, viewing this character. Because you can't really put a human, you can sort of give him some humanity, but really like he's a reflection of yeah. something more than he is his own substantive thing. I, I like that. For um, the reflection but, to work, he needs to be inhuman. Right, right. Yeah. And really shiny for the reflection to work. <laughs> and always smiling because you know always that's, smiling. That's yeah, always smiling. Well, why don't we take a look at the cards then? Well, let's do it. So I'll, I'll start here with Ultron one. Um, he's got a, a scheme of one, two attack. Um, he's got the android trait, which I think is interesting. I, I feel like he could have had a few more traits. Anyway, his attack also comes with a force response. Uh, after he attacks you, you choose to either place a threat on the main scheme. Or put the top card of your deck into play face down, engage with you as a drone minion. He's got 17 hit points per player in his Ultron 1 iteration. So this idea of like he makes your own stuff fight against you is pretty thematic. Brainwaves, sure. Yeah, he turns your tech. He can, you know, he can take control of Stark suits or uh, any kind of tech that's out there with his various... uh programming and that that virus yeah it can definitely turn things against you yeah uh we'll, we'll read the drone one after we go through all yeah, three yeah. ultrons yeah the drones will make a little more sense so steve why don't you go tell us about ultron 2 what's ultron difference? 2 is a two scheme two attack he is also an android and he has a first force interrupt when he attacks when ultron attacks you put the top card of your deck into play face down engage with you as a drone minion until the end of this attack, Ultron gets plus one attack for each drone minion engaged with you. And he has 22 hit points per player. Right. So th- there's a good difference between one and two. One is a forced response. So it happens after the attack is over with. And you have a choice, right? Yep. You put, yep. out a, a, a put out a drone or put out a threat. Ultron 2 is a forced interrupt. And it happens before or during the initiation during of the attack. The, yeah. 
Yeah, not after it's over. So he's going to put that drone minion out the moment he attacks you, and then he automatically gets that plus one attack for that drone. So he's kind of always a three attack, uh, unless you have a way to pick off a drone as it enters play. Unless you've got what's-his-face with the bow. Yeah, Hawkeye or even some Hawkeye. of Black some of Black Widow's uh, preparations can pick off a minion as they enter play. Yeah, and the whole, like, add to threat, that's gone. Right. And no choice. Gone. Yep. No choice. Yeah, so. Yep. And what about three, Moose? What do we got here? Three is another step up in power. We now have two scheme and four attack. That's a Ooh. jump from two to four. He's still an android, and there is no interrupts or responses. It just says each drone minion gets plus one attack and plus one hit point. And here's the kicker. Ultron cannot take damage while a drone minion is in play. Oof. And when Ultron is revealed, you search the encounter deck and discard pile for the Ultron's imperative side scheme and reveal it. Shuffle the encounter deck. And this guy has 27 hit points per player. A five-point increase just like from one to two. Wow. Four-player game, he's over 100 health. And he can't take damage as long as there are minions around. Drone minions. Right. I guess we need to talk about drone minions now. We need to talk about the environment now. Is this the uh, first one environment card, or first in the in the? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the only I, one in the core, right? Yeah, okay. definitely. Are there any other environment cards? I think there's one in Green Goblin. Green Goblin, yeah, the one that yeah. uh, flips back and forth, I believe, is an environment. That's correct. That's in right. risky business. Yeah. So Ultron drones environment. It basically says each face down drone minion engaged with the player has a base. Scheme of one, a base attack of one, and a base hit points of one. Force response, after a face-down drone minion is defeated, place that card in its owner's discard pile. So that is active from the get-go, and we'll see when we get to uh, Ultron's uh, schemes how this works in entrance play. But there it is. I mean, that's like the defining card of Ultron, right? Yep. Lots of little drones, and those little drones get bigger if you've reached Ultron stage three. Uh, they're just a two attack, two hit points, so they can't be picked off as easily. And they look like little versions of his head. Yeah, they do. Well, in game terms, they're your cards, so they're running your deck down uh, pretty quickly. They might be taking away cards that you need for your engine. They're getting you closer to the end, so you get that extra uh, encounter card yep. earlier, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Yep, they're attacking, they're scheming, uh, they're boosting Ultron number two, right? They're making his attacks yep. bigger. They're yep. making number three impervious to damage. Yep. And the neat thing on the environment is we have no way whatsoever to interact with environment cards. So it's not a scheme that we the heroes can thwart. It's it's out once Ultron once you start the game, it's there. It is just the truth of the universe. Okay, so Ultron three says go get Ultron's imperative side scheme. So what is Ultron's imperative side scheme? It is Ultron's imperative. Ultron directs his drone army through hive circuitry. Whatever that means. That's pretty vague for flavor text. Yeah, it's really good Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> that's a really strong router. Yeah. I mean, he probably has control of, like, he can take control of various satellites. My only disappointment with the flavor text is it doesn't mention Ultron's imperative in the flavor text. Oh, it does well. not. Okay, when revealed, the first player... Puts the top two cards of their deck into play face down, engaging them as a drone minion. It is a hazard. Oh. It has two threat per player and three boost icons. Laura is tough. Who doesn't love three boost icons? Yep. Although I think 
you you were almost happy to see this as a boost. O- although, of course, it's automatically coming up when you start with Ultron two. No, three. 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 Yeah. 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 And because it's gonna automatically come up with Ultron three, you're putting out two drones automatically. So Ultron three automatically is protected by two drones and can't take damage till you get rid of those two drones. And those drones have two hit points each now. And you also brought up how he himself has 100 hit points. Yeah, more than 100, yeah. More than 100, yeah. A, 100 true, true, a true threat here for those uh, cowardly heroes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's no joke. I mean, we'll talk about the, the, the core Ultron thing at the end here, but like that, that's just legit. Well, Mustafa, what about the Crimson Cow 1A? What do we got here? Claw's mysterious red-hooded employer is really the genocidal android Ultron. So we learned that he's genocidal here. It says, you know, this is um, Ultron 1 and 2, if you want to do expert mode 3. So they they suggest under attack. I forget if we've done this. Maybe we did. It mm-hmm. it it features art just from, I mean, it just says Ultron on it. So it's, I guess, custom made for this guy. Um, and it's you know it's, it sets up the drones environment in play, and advances to show one uh, B. And on that side, you have a limit of three per player, so that's a pretty quick one. And it says, as the flavor test, Ultron is using the components Claw delivered in order to build an army of Ultron drones. When revealed, each player puts the top card of their deck into play face down, engage with them as a drone minion. So you already start with at least one minion in play if you're doing solo, up to four if you're playing with four players. Yep, and the threat goes up one per player. So because I believe in the rule books, you are going to set up the villain and the villain first. Yep. So you're going to put out Ultron. You're going to put out his sides or his main scheme. You're going to put out his environment card. You're going to flip to one B. You're going to reveal the top card of your deck before you draw cards, before the players do their setup. So things like Cap's Shield, Thor's Hammer, whatever other key card could end up coming out as a drone in front of you before you even get to draw a card. How funny would that be? Your first drone is Mjolnir. Yeah. Or or one of the one of the techs for uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I've always been playing that wrong, but. Yeah, me too. Yep, gotta do it first. Oh wow, that makes it even better. I love this scheme. This is great. FFG has a well-known anti-villain bias, kind of like liberal media has a well-known bias. <laughs> but I think here they finally created a villain that that's worthy of the word villain. I have to admit, I haven't played against Ultron very much. Uh, maybe because I'm too scared of his genocidal tendencies. Who knows? Yeah, even yeah. the villains are scared of to mess yeah. with Ultron. <laughs> that's so. right. That's right. I have I have never beat him. Wow. Oh, so, we gotta give it a Admittedly in only two or three attempts ever. But I think it's because I'm just too resentful. I hate losing my cards to him. Yeah, you have to accept that those cards are just lost and move on, right? I, I, I can't I can't bring myself to accept that as a hero. Now I understand the frustrations of puny heroes with weak minds, you know? Anyway. Well let me move on to the main scheme uh 2A, assault as you pursue Ultron, you receive a distress call from the American Aerospace Defense Command in Colorado. They're besieged by an army of Ultron drones. So when revealed, each player puts the top part of their deck into play, face down, engage with them as a drone, just like uh, the other one. And 2B has 10 per player, so that one could be around a while. If Ultron gains control of NORAD, 
he'll have access to the United States Ballistic Missile Command. Force response. After placing threat here during step one of the villain phase, each player must choose to either place two threat here or put the top card of their deck into play face down, engage them as a drone. Echoing the choice they get with Ultron 1, which I like. Yeah, it's a little worse because it's double two points of threat. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's worse, but it, I like that it kind of links back to that first Ultron. Yeah, anytime you can give the players a choose your own demise, that's great. Love it. And this is going to this is going to happen every turn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now there are ways for sneaky heroes to stop it because if you don't put threat there at the f- step one, say you're playing solo and you are sh- uh, She-Hulk alter ego and you object, you're not putting threat there, so you don't have to make that choice. Interesting. Right. There's a a new justice preparation that prevents three threat from being put on the scheme so you it never reaches it so that would be good for a two or three player game so doesn't uh doesn't jennifer walters only object to one of the two threat but well i'm saying if, if you're playing solo right i see but you still would have to put one threat right well no okay so when the villain phase begins the first thing you do in a villain phase right is you just put threat on there according to mm-hmm. assault on norad one per player if mm-hmm. you're playing solo you go to put that threat on there jennifer walters objects you do not trigger the response. Ah, I see what you mean. Yeah, before the choice of is it a drone or is it a threat, you're stopping the forced response. So there are... That is pretty sneaky. Yeah, now there's only a couple ways to do it, and the only reason this really uh, was in my mind was just played a game with uh, (laughs) She-Hulk against Ultron, and uh, I was like, wait, 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 we don't have to make this choice anymore if you do this, you know, so... That worked out well. You'd have to time it so that you're in your alter ego form, of course. When right. This flips. Yep. Uh, but I guess I guess the heroes control that. But you know? you're so gonna... maybe maybe the heroes don't really get to figure out when this happens because no. yeah. All right. Because because one stage one only has three threat per player. Yeah. That yeah. is that is fast. So yeah. keeping that on stage one is very difficult. You're gonna spend I think most of the game in. Stage two. Mm-hmm. You do not want to get stage three if you're one of those pesky heroes, but I would love to see Ultron get to stage three. Let me give it a read. Countdown to Oblivion. <laughs> Ultron, yeah. Ultron has seized control of NORAD. It's only a matter of time before he overcomes the command safeguards and launches the nuclear arsenal. When revealed, each player puts the top card of their deck into play face down, engage with them as a drone minion, advance to 3B. 3B has five threat per player. It's up to you to save the world from nuclear Armageddon. So threat cannot be removed from this scheme. If this stage, oh. is, com- this stage is completed, the players lose the game, and you're putting one threat per player out. So once the countdown starts, man... <sighs> yeah. When I first played Ultra, I played it blind, so I had no idea that this was the last card. Ugh. And I was like, oh, can't remove threat. Uh... <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a thing that you want to know during stage two. Yeah, you have to work as hard as you can to stay on stage two, right? Yeah, because it's it's over if you get here. If Ultron can get here, you have at most, at most, in a solo game, five rounds. That's your best case scenario. And that's not going to happen because you're going to have acceleration tokens. Then you're going to have... You could draw an assault. uh, Yeah, uh, advance. Yep, no. you might be making choices that are put. You you can choose to put threat or drone. No, you got to put drones out, which means you can't attack, or or it's harder to hit Ultron. Yeah. Wow. Well, so what do we think of uh, 
Ultron's corset. I like it. I think it's a, a good step up from Claw, definitely from Rhino. You know, you have the learn to play Rhino. You have Claw that's just a good, solid villain to play against. And then you have Ultron that provides a, a real challenge even on standard mode, especially with corset cards. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Like I in the corset environment, like core only, he's too hard. <laughs> I really, I, he's just a gut punch. Like, I don't. You gotta, yeah, I think you, uh, you need things like Hawkeye and you need to recur Hawkeye as quick as you can to deal with the drones. Uh, but doesn't, doesn't, uh, She-Hulk basically provide the solution with her ground stomp? Yep. Ground stomp is great as well. Until you're on, uh, Ultron three. <laughs> well, but yeah. 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 Well, yeah, she can flip and try to prevent threat from being placed on the scheme. So that's different than removing threat from the scheme. And then ground stomp and gamma slam for a big hit towards the end. But it seems, but it's actually worse if she's one of like in a party of four, right? Because those other three are just yep. making her life worse and more difficult. Yep. I so, beat this solo, solo two player, and we played this four player expert, and that did not go well for those pesky heroes. But Ultron, he counted down nuclear Armageddon for him that, that game. So there was a yep. lot of drones on the table. And all those little tricks don't work as well because there's so many drones out. Yeah. And it's their own cards, which is really... It's the, insulting. The, the salt in the wound, the, the yeah. coupe de grasse, the <laughs> yes, the resistance, you know. The, yeah. I think he's a worthy villain, maybe the only one. Yeah, he he's fun. There's nothing better for the villain to see that drone be uh, for justice when... The threat's about to flip stage two to three, or, you know, that drone is a key piece of uh, a repulsor blast so Tony Stark can't ha- hit him for any damage. So that's always fun for the villains to see. Oh, I turned your key card into a drone. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I, oh, it's frustrating to play against this guy. Well, it sounds like we have a challenge that we just issued ourselves. It looks like it. We play against Ultron, expert with our house rules. Oh. What do you guys think? We should sure. do it. Let's do it. And then we can talk about it on the show. That's a great idea. All right. Great idea. Oof. We're at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com if you want to reach us. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Critical Encounters. We're also on Discord as Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and The Truth. Um, if you like our show, unlikely, tell your friends. <laughs> if you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Daniel. Take us out. Ha ha. I will be unstoppable. One down. Five to go. Ha 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 ha.